0: I think what happens so often is um, people get stuck in a cycle of proving their worth. Mm-hmm. And if you can shift from trying to prove yourself into providing value, then all of a sudden you realize that if you can help people with your skills, if you can find that place where your skills meet someone's need or challenge or problem, then all of a sudden it's not even about you. You know, you become mm-hmm. like a channel to transformation.
1: Welcome to the Evercoach Podcast, the online destination for a coach that wants to create a positive impact in the world and make good money along the way. All good deeds should be well-rewarded. You should be well-rewarded. I'm your host, Ajit Nawalka, and every week I'll bring you the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves. Hello everybody, this is Ajit Nawalkha and welcome to the Business Coaching Podcast. Today I have somebody really, really special with me. Her name is Marissa Murgatroyd and you're gonna know more about her in just a second. She's been a friend for several years now and she's one of those phenomenal individuals that I absolutely love to sit down and chat. So today, you're gonna peek into conversation around branding, around creating experiential products about being able to be of great service and a lot about entrepreneurship. So without further ado, let me welcome Marissa, how are you?
0: I'm great, thank you.
1: I am so excited to have you here.
0: Me too, what a fun space to do an interview.
1: Yeah, we we love art studios, so we we are lucky to find one that lets us do podcast shoots here, so it's it's awesome, it's super fun. All right, before we talk about business and all that, what I really love uh, is, you know, a lot of us who are coaches, consultants, trainers, educators, or whatever category or whatever you want to call yourself, uh, or people call themselves, but people who are in the business of helping humanity in one way or another... Uh, tend to face a challenge of getting started or tend to face the challenge of, of really getting into that zone where they feel like they've got the momentum, they've got the pace. I know you've been in that stage at one point in your life. We've talked about it. So I want to start there. I want to start at the journey that took for you to jump off, get yeah. started and the initial grind because you come from a very interesting background and I'm not going to give it away without you, you sharing that. So, so will you walk us through that? that journey, and and especially if you could highlight those feelings and emotions that were consistent and persistent at the time.
0: Absolutely. So I was in my first career as a documentary filmmaker, and I had this moment in time where, you know, I loved the work. I didn't always love the job, but I loved the work of filmmaking. And I was there in the office. I was on a deadline to produce a film. And my boss walks in, you know, it was afternoon. I'd already been there for hours and said, I need your power cable. I forgot mine at home. I was like, I can't give you the power cable. My computer wasn't plugged in. I'm up against this deadline. And if I give it to you, I can't complete the work. And she said, you know, Marisa, that computer you're working on, I own that computer. And that power cord, I own that power cord too. And she basically looked at me and said, you know, Marisa, give me the power. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh. And we ended up having this screaming match at that point in time where... Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to finish this project. This is what you're paying me for. And she's like, I own that. And she was basically saying that she owned me. Mm. And I ultimately gave her the power cord. And with it, it felt like I was giving away my own personal power too. And I realized that I'd spent years, three years, building someone else's company, building someone else's, you know, pocketbook. And I didn't have a piece of that action And at that moment, I realized that I needed to do something different, but I honestly had no idea what else I could do. And I was asking myself what people would actually pay me for. And really, I didn't even know that I had valuable skills. I said, well, the only thing I think I know how to do is make things look good, sound good and tell a damn good story. But who's going to pay me for that? And Mm -hmm. at the time, I had no idea that those three skills that as an artist didn't feel like they had a lot of value in the business and marketing world, those three skills are the foundation of everything. That's true. So simply taking the skills that I'd been building for my entire life and applying them to a completely different context, it went from being a broke, $1,000 a week filmmaker, when I didn't work, I didn't get paid, to being able to make millions of dollars a year. Mm. And I had no idea at the time, and it was really a struggle. And then once I knew what I could do, I was asking myself, well, what context can that fit into? I was like, I think somewhere at the intersection of entrepreneurship and the internet. And that was about <laughs> all the specificity that I had. And so not a lot of specificity. I started going out there, taking all the programs and going into all the live events and starting to learn from the greats, the marketing greats, and then ultimately realized that that business and online business was this incredible context where I could use my love of photography, my love of film, my love of writing, my love of art, really, actually Mm. changed people's lives and it was surprising to me that I actually was good at business Mm. and good at marketing because I thought I was an artist and my dad actually told me when I graduated from college that he wasted $150,000 on my education and I came out without any marketable skills so I had this belief that I had zero marketable skills and then when I discovered that you know just following my heart for my entire life and following my self-expression had given me the most valuable toolkit there is in the world and that was like, I felt like my business was coming home to myself.
1: That's, a, that's an amazing story. And there's so many pieces that I want to pick on. But let's start with that feeling where your dad told you that he wasted the $150,000 and you had no marketable scales. The reason why I asked that question is because I've been challenged in my own personal story, of course, around that in a different yeah. way. But the question really is, is that happens to us all the time in many different ways. And I know that is important as an educator, as a trainer, because that's where you're putting yourself out there and you're constantly being challenged, if not, in, if not by the outside world, sometimes with, by your family, right? So I, I'm curious to, to dive a little bit there as to how did that feel? And uh, what inspired you to continue to take action or do what really your heart's calling was at the time?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was kind of heartbreaking. But at the same time, I realized in some way, shape, or form that he was right. Mm.
1: You no, know,
0: because I'd been pursuing my passion and my bliss and went to college and took all the art classes and the creative classes. But I didn't actually figure out where I met the market. So even though I felt like I wasn't seen and heard and validated in that moment, it also challenged me to realize Well, how could I turn the skills that I developed into marketable skills? Mm -hmm. So I think with anything in life, when you're presented with a challenge, there are two responses. One is you get stronger, and the other is that you crumble. And I think I chose to get stronger and say, Oh, yeah, well, watch me, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And prove to my dad that he Mm -hmm. was wrong and that my Mm -hmm. skills were valuable Mm -hmm. and that I could do something with it. Cause he always Mm -hmm. told me that art was a waste of my intellect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he wanted me to be a a lawyer or a journalist Mm -hmm. or have this respectable career. And my parents Mm -hmm. still ask me what I do for a living. Like they just don't understand (laughs) it. And my mom still asked me if, you know, Malisa, you have enough money to eat. You know, I send you money for food (laughs) in her, in her Thai accent. I'm like, no, mom. Um, I can take care of myself Mm -hmm. just because I work on the internet doesn't mean I don't have any money
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny because that's literally what my mom my mom's coming in like three days Uh when we are recording this interview and my mom and dad are coming hang out with us for a little while and she literally said can you please this time around explain me what the hell do you do (laughs) So, so I totally hear you on that that's very interesting that that you said either you could rise out of it or you could crumble Right. And that's the challenge and the choice we're faced with daily basis, especially in the worlds that we operate in. What got you to make that decision? I'm, and I'm imploring this because I know that there's nuggets for everybody today to yeah. get out of this conversation where they would go, oh, right now, if I'm feeling like yeah. that, I would crumble.
0: Well, honestly, it wasn't an instantaneous like flip that switched as much as I'd love to say that it was. It was more of a pathway where I felt for so many years that You know, my family upbringing, the way that I was raised, the expectations that I had accepted as my own from my family, from the culture, were so deep in my being that I felt like there was this almost concrete path laid down before me, right? Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to walk that path. And every time, you know, it's like the shoots the inside of me were trying to come up and say, you know, this is not your path. And it would like break through, you know, the concrete and send the shoots up into the sun. But it felt like my dad would kind of go and prune them and like smooth it all over again. So it took me a long time to really kind of break through that. And at first, when I was starting to create my own path, it wasn't like that concrete path where it was so obvious. It was more like a little trail through the forest in the middle of the night where I could barely see a thing. Mm -hmm. And so part of it was following something inside of me that said, you know, I meant for something different and I meant for something more. And the voice is quiet at first. And then the more I walked, it got stronger and it got bolder and it was scary. And it's not something that was served to me on a silver platter. And I think for most people it isn't. But to Mm -hmm. have the courage to follow that anyway, I think is ultimately the opportunity we have in life Mm -hmm. and to figure out which is our path and which is not our path. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our path is not obvious.
1: Yeah. And how, how do you keep making progress when it's not so obvious? How did you keep yeah, making progress? Yeah,
0: that's a good question. You know, I think that ultimately it's just a, a, a faith mm-hmm. and a belief in my own resourcefulness and my own inherent capability. That no matter what, when it looks on the outside like it's not working out or I can't see the symbols or the signs and I don't know how to interpret them. It's like at the end of the day, I feel like once I've passed through that stage, on the other side, it all makes sense. But, you know, as they say, um, in hindsight, vision's 2020. <laughs> mm-hmm. But going forward, you don't have that 2020 vision. But it's so funny. It's like after you walk through a period like that of uncertainty and, and doubt and fear on the other side of that, when you look back, you realize that every single one of those lessons and challenges, you know, were there to teach me something about myself and to get me ready to do the work that I do here in the world. So I don't know if there was any magic secret sauce other than some deep belief that, There was something that I'm here to do and I was following my my intuition and my instinct, making these choices on the ground when I couldn't see the big picture, but just Mm -hmm. making one choice at a time and trying to have the courage to make the next choice and the next choice and the next choice. And that ultimately at the end of the day, it would lead me somewhere.
1: Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. And do you feel, because I I hear you said, hey, I had the belief that there was something meant for me, right? Do you believe everybody has that? Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. I do believe everybody has that. And it's the thing that gives me faith in the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know it sounds a little bit silly and idealistic, like Don Quixote tilting at windmills or something like that. But I do Mm -hmm. believe that we all have a piece of the puzzle. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: believe that the only way the world is going to change is when each of us steps up to do the work that we're born to do. Even if it seems like it's silly or just this tiny little thing, it's helping someone improve systems in one particular area. I mean, all of those things together collectively create, you know, a massive lever that changes the world. And so many times, I think it's easy to have what I call superpower envy, Mm -hmm. where you want somebody else's gifts. Like if only Mm -hmm. I had that gift, especially if you think your gift is boring, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I'm good at systems or I'm good at math. But all of those things help change the world when you really apply them in a useful context.
1: Tell a little bit more about say when somebody feels that their their gift is not enough or their gift is not worthy, their gift is yeah. not, I could do it, I just could do it, I can't do it. What is it that you would tell them?
0: Yeah, what I would tell them is to, you know, look at where that gift is valuable. Mm-hmm. In and of its own, you know, simply being able to use language, for example, which is one of my greatest gifts, or isn't valuable. But when I find a context where it mm-hmm. can change lives, where it can change the world, it becomes valuable. So I think what happens so often is um, people get stuck in a cycle of proving their worth. Mm-hmm. And if you can shift from trying to prove yourself into providing value, then all of a sudden you realize that if you can help people with your skills, if you can find that place where your skills meet someone's need or challenge or problem, then all of a sudden it's not even about you. You, know, you become mm-hmm. like a channel to transformation. Mm. And when you stop paying attention to your own fears and your own doubts and your own inner critic, then you can realize that your work and what you were born to do is bigger than you. right?
1: Mm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. One thing that I do want to mention is, like you said, your inner power is language. And that occurred to me, Steve Jobs' superpower was design. It had nothing to do with making technology. He was not a technologist yeah. and, and he didn't know how to really put technology together. He just had the way to design it in a way or had the vision even and had the ability to bring people together for it, which is completely counter to the company that he actually built because he built a, a tech company, uh, but had nothing to do with everything else that, that he was really capable of or was even interested in if you yeah. really think about it. So that's actually very fascinating and it's very, it's very comforting for, for us to hear. To go, oh, okay, so I don't have to necessarily, it it can be pieced somewhere else. Even if it's not direct uh, connection, it's an indirect connection sometimes, and it may come together in many different ways. Our audience is coaches. Uh, They are coaches, sometimes consultants, sometimes they're trainers or educators of online uh, programs and so forth. Uh, What is it that you would invite coaches, educators to think about when they are just discovering that power, when they just reveal, it's just coming to them. Is there a question that you would suggest they ask themselves to really bring it to to light? Or is there a thought that you would say, well, think about something like this yeah. that would give them that uh, clarity of, uh, of what they can be doing?
0: Yeah, so absolutely. I think it's so easy to get stuck in what you want to do and what you want to give And I heard this quote by the late, great motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, that's really become a core value of my business. And it's that you can have everything you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. So the question to ask is, how can you help people get what they want? You know, what do you help people do, be, feel, have, overcome, or achieve? And if you can figure that out, how you can solve a problem for someone using your gifts and your abilities... And ideally, get as specific as you can about that problem because the more specific you get, the easier it is for people to understand. And I think what happens for coaches, especially newer in their businesses, is they want to help people with all problems. Mm -hmm. It's like help everyone solve everything. And when you do that, it's like hard for someone to really know what it is that you do and get that picture of how you can help them. And if you can provide what I call a future self-vision, which is a vision of you know, how someone who goes through the process that you create for them, what their life is going to look like on the other side of their engagement with you, and let that vision drive people to want to
1: work with you. Mm. That's beautiful. I especially like the idea that you that you talked about right now, which is the future vision. I feel that is that is a golden nugget for for anybody who's a coach or a consultant to, to constantly be reminded of that they're signing up to be someone or do something and that's why they're really wanting to and are working with you. And so it's very important for you to paint that and, and be able to be a part of their future self, yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely, that's awesome. So, yeah. Cool. I was gonna
0: say is um, there's studies that show that if someone can clearly visualize themselves doing something, then there's something like 70% more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. So that future self vision that you're using to really market yourself is allowing someone to visualize the transformation that you're gonna help them make. And the clearer and more specific you can get about that, the more likely they are to say yes. And so often people make the mistake of being too general. But the truth is, is that the more specific you are, the more universal you become. Mm -hmm. So by sharing a very specific story at the beginning of this you know, conversation about my dad saying, you know, Marisa, I just wasted $150,000 on your education and you came out with no marketable skills. That allowed you to think about conversations that you had with your family, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And probably every single person listening. And so when you have those very specific nuggets, it actually opens up the way for universality. But so often people think it's the opposite. If they're general, then they're going to let people read whatever they want into that situation.
1: But that's not true. This is amazing and very useful. but. Let's talk about entrepreneurial anxiety. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because as somebody's listening to this Mm -hmm. conversation, as somebody's leaning into going, okay, so I need to get specific. I need to paint a beautiful picture or a future picture uh, of my clients and probably for themselves and so on and so forth. And how to come past their, get past their doubts, that wonderful ideas that you shared until now. What happens a lot of times is we feel like we're not where we need to be, Mm -hmm. right? We feel like, oh, so I have these, do these hundred items uh, before I actually make any progress or get the success that I truly deserve or live the life that I really want to live. How did you deal with that in your journey? And do you still experience it? And if you do, how do you deal with that today?
0: Yeah. You know, there's always, as an entrepreneur, a million things to do all the time. And it feels like you've never quite made it and arrived. Mm -hmm. So one of the few things that I do, one of the tools that I do is when I'm setting goals for myself, I set minimum target and stretch goals, right? Mm-hmm. And so often people say they want that New York Times best-selling book, and then they don't realize that simply writing a book is a massive accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So it's so easy to overlook the success that you're having and the progress that you're making with this giant goal and this giant vision, So one of the things I love to do is set these minimum, these target and these stretch goals. And the minimum goal is just, okay, let me finish my book, right? Mm -hmm. A target goal might be, let me make this an Amazon bestseller. And that stretch goal could be that New York Times bestseller. And it may not happen with the first book, but maybe it happens with the third book, right? Mm. And so often people get, you know, halted in just starting because they're looking for that New York Times bestseller. And that vision is so out there and so hard for even people who've, you know, succeeded at a huge level already to attain that that's kind of preventing them from getting started. So Mm. one of the tools that I use is to look at, well, what is my minimum goal? Mm -hmm. If I did this, you know, it's a success in and of itself. Then what's my target, which is going to stretch me more? And then what is that stretch, which might be an Everest goal that I don't make it the first time around? Mm. And so I try to look at things like that and know that, you know, you really, whatever you look for, you will find. So if you're looking for evidence of being far off from your goal, you will find that. And if you look for evidence of, you know making progress and moving forward you will find that and like anything it's about what you focus on so one of the things that i try to do is look back and you know at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day of what i can be grateful for what i can acknowledge what i can feel like at the end of the day when my day's gone great and i've done a bunch of things on my checklist mm-hmm. but learning to have you know celebrations in the small wins and the small actions, you know, building a culture of gratitude for yourself and a culture of celebration where every little thing you do is like, wow, I just did this thing and I did this thing and I did this thing. And when you do, you know, you have these small wins that kind of ultimately catapult you to the bigger actions and the bigger wins.
1: Absolutely, and and there's um your 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 idea of minimum target and stretch goals reminds me of the way we do goal setting in our company as well, which is we call it minimum target outrageous, uh, and that actually comes from this guy Raymond Aaron, mm. from from what I can recall, where he introduced this idea several years ago to to our different companies uh, to, through his learnings generally. So it was minimum target outrageous is the same concept. You you celebrate even if you get to the minimum, which could be hey I wrote the book that's a minimum target is, well i made it on amazon or i made it an amazon bestseller or just got 1000 copies moving or whatever that is right and outrageous is fine i sold 20000 copies 40000 copies became a new york times bestseller that's that's awesome thank you so much for sharing that i think that's very critical for for us to recognize as coaches consultants trainers educators to really be able to go okay fine i've made my progress it's okay let me celebrate that and maintain that attitude like you said, because it's never going to be a point where we'll be like, yep, I made it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no no destination where we say that, right?
0: Totally. And the other concept that I like to look at is I consider that I'm on a master's path. Mm-hmm. And the thing about mastery is you never achieve mastery. True masters never get there. Mm-hmm. And to actually love the process of growth every day and work every day and being stretched and being comfortable every day. Mm-hmm. So by looking at it for me, like I'm on a growth path that's going to stretch for my entire life. Mm-hmm. And all I can do is like progress every single day on that path. There's actually something called a challenge skill ratio. Um, I think Stephen Kotler, the Rise of Superman author, is the one who talked about it. Yeah. So basically, if you can every single day be about 4% higher in challenge than your current level of skill you can actually progress incredibly fast to greater and greater heights of human accomplishment and achievement. It's one of the reasons why so many of our like, gravity games and extreme sports uh, records have been broken just so quickly. As people are constantly, you know, with YouTube and having access to so much training and information, able to kind of learn and improve daily and kind of stretch themselves. But if you do this every single day, 4% more, 4% more, 4% more, 4% is the range where you're not going to freak out. You know, yeah. you don't freak out it's about it. Like always oh, marginal
1: gain. Like it feels like, yeah. oh, it's just a little bit better, yeah. right?
0: But over 100 days, 4% over 100 days ends up being a 400% improvement. Okay. And then over the course of a year, you're talking about 1,200 or you know 1,600 or 1,500 percent improvement. Yeah. So you can make just astronomical gains if you just focus every single day on the compound habits of being mm-hmm. at the edge of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah, I, I that reminds me of uh, an article. It, it comes. Um, it was written by James Clear. Uh, on this uh, British cycling team. I don't remember the name of the trainer that, that trained the team, but British cycling team had never won anything ever in their entire lifetime, yes. in, their, in their entire career. And there's this trainer that comes in and his goal is simply what he calls marginal gains, where he would go, we'll just look for one tiny thing that we can improve every single day. So he would look at like really weird things, like he would go, the color of the bikes. Because that depends on how much heat it will absorb and not absorb, right? Or how the helmets are angled, or how is the bend when the cyclist is moving, or what's the nutrition, or when does the nutrition become too much, too little? So really, tiny, tiny improvements that they made over, I think, I want to say, over a year, and that went, that took that British cycling team from never winning anything to I think winning the Tour de France uh, mm-hmm. that year, or within the next two years, something mm-hmm. like that, and and that kind of. Uh, kind of suggest the same type of thing that you talked about is to go, hey, every day, how do I make progress? How How is it that I can make small improvements in my life to be able to actually create persistent and further growth in life? But I think the key there, like you also mentioned, is to is to be mindful of that growth, right? You, you got to be able to find that and find an area and say, okay, yeah. this is the area that I need to grow in, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say that's, that's the way to go about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually in this process right now because I admit that I'm a business adrenaline junkie, you know, so (laughs) I like the highs and the big launches and the big events. But what I'm doing right now is optimizing an evergreen funnel. So -hmm. there's maybe, you know, 50 factors and we can just look at one at a time and improve that one. But the compound growth of improving all of these one pieces can end up Mm -hmm. leading to a massive amount of impact, a massive amount of revenue. Mm -hmm. And realizing that a lot of times these small gains and they don't feel sexy and you're not like, Mm woohoo, when you do them, you barely notice them sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when you start to pay attention to them, you realize how much progress you actually are making on an every day. And then Mm -hmm. it's exciting because, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll be unrecognizable three years from now.
1: Yeah, that's right. And it's
0: actually one of the concepts that I teach because I teach, um, you know, coaches and consultants how to experiencify their, you know, one on one engagements or their programs or their products And I teach a concept called constant wins and also another concept called unstoppable momentum. Mm -hmm. So constant wins is when you ramp people up from small, simple actions and wins into larger and larger ones. And it's also about the way you structure an engagement to build confidence with people right away. So if you're a coach, how do you give someone an instant win? And how do you get them on a winning streak all the way up to the main goal that you set together, which I call mission accomplished. So -hmm. if you've defined a mission, which is a clear goal, where it's so obvious, it's almost binary when someone's crossed the finish line of the goal. Like the transformation's obvious, you could almost film it. And then you set up all these series of wins to work with them and those wins escalate and the actions that are required of them also escalate. Mm -hmm. Then what you're doing is you're building self-belief and you're building confidence and you're building momentum. And as humans, psychology says that we're more likely to keep taking actions consistent with actions we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. So if you set someone up to win, you can set them up to keep winning and get them almost Mm -hmm. hooked and addicted to their life goals and overcoming their challenges and achieving bigger and bigger things Mm -hmm. in their lives. Mm
1: -hmm. If I was to paint a scenario, let's paint a scenario for somebody who is a new coach, a new consultant, and let's take the concept of constant wins, right? Like that that experiential bit that you talked about, how would you... How would you suggest somebody goes about? Let's say somebody had 30 days. Let's mm-hmm. say, 30, or whatever number of days you want to take. Uh, let's say you had to kind of go, okay, so if you have 30 days from today, yeah. uh, and you wanted to get into business, let's assume some assumptions that we'll make is they know how to code somebody. They know how to be able to create an impact with them. Let's say the product is sorted. Let's yeah. just make that assumption just because. Else it gets too complicated and sometimes it takes a little while to get the product down, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm making the assumption of the product is, or somewhat, some version of product is sorted. What would you do for the first 30 days or two weeks for them to be able to, and this doesn't have to be an exact plan. You could just say, okay, think about this marginal gain, this marginal gain or this constant improvement.
0: Well, if you've got a minimum viable product, and I recommend thinking about it as a minimum viable product, even if it's a one-on-one coaching program, if you've got that really, really clearly defined, um, one of the things that I recommend doing is thinking about it as a beta product, right? Mm. That a beta product meaning that, you know, perhaps you don't offer it for $10,000 like you might in the future, but maybe you offer something for $1,000 or $2,000 and you let someone know that you've been cultivating this expertise for the last 10 years or 20 years and you've distilled it down into a process that you're really excited about that's going to get them a very specific result, right? And you're taking, you know, say six, you know, three to six beta clients, whatever that number feels good to you. And, um, you know, and you're going to take it at a fraction of the price that this will ultimately be. And you invite people in. You just talk to as many people as you possibly can and you invite as many people as you possibly can into this program with you. Mm -hmm. And then you really deliver to these people you get them incredible results. So they become your biggest case studies and testimonials and referral partners. They want to refer you because you've changed their life. You've transformed their life. So what I would do is like create that number of beta spots, very finite number of beta spots, mm-hmm. because then you're making it tangible. You're letting mm-hmm. people know that they can get access to you at this level, at this price for this specific amount of time. And then not again, let them know what the price is going to become a little bit later. And mm-hmm. then you get those clients and you know, one of the best ways to get them is to really heavily define your audience, exactly who you want to serve. I call Mm -hmm. that creating an audience statement Mm -hmm. and then figuring out pre-qualifying questions. What are the questions that you could ask to quickly determine whether someone could be a fit for you or not? So for example, you know, I work with coaches and consultants and creatives and professionals. I might just say something along the lines of, are you an entrepreneur? And that Mm -hmm. might be the first pre-qualifying question. And you would say, yes. And then I might mm-hmm. say, you know, I'm curious. You know, how? What are you doing to grow your business? Are you part of any programs, courses, or masterminds right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and they might say no because if someone's in the middle of a big program, maybe they wouldn't be ready to sign up for another program, mm-hmm. right? And so I might ask a couple questions to quickly figure out whether this is someone that would even be a fit for working with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if they are a fit, get them into conversation ultimately and see if you can enroll them into a beta offer, and then just try to get your first three to six clients. And then pour into them. And that's going to give you so much confidence in the results that you're providing for people. And so many testimonials and case studies that's going to clarify your work. Do that before you build a website. Do that before you do any of that. You know, stay super agile. And then that's going to allow you to have a much clearer understanding of what you're trying to sell and deliver in the future.
1: Mm.
0: That's what I would do in 30 days.
1: That's that's fantastic. That I think gives a very clear roadmap to anybody that is, even if they already have a business and yeah. they already have a product, that's a great way to re-engineer if if you've already kind of made that progress and you're looking for, hey, what, can, what else can I do? You talked about creating experiential products, yeah. uh, experiential services. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I specifically work in the field of online education, but I also work with people creating their one-on-one coaching packages and one-on-one service packages as well. But what's not commonly known, especially once you go into groups, whether especially one to many products where you're serving lots and lots of people is that up to 97% of people who take online education, don't finish those programs and don't get the results that were promised. Mm -hmm. So basically You know, I've been focused on developing a methodology that gets between 10 to 30 times the number of people to make it to the end of the product and to ultimately get the result. Mm -hmm. And then we've applied this to all different kinds of products and programs. Mm -hmm. And it's really all about working with human psychology, understanding how adults learn, and also using some of the power of gamification. So if you can imagine getting people as excited about achieving their life goals and overcoming their challenges as they are about, say, you know, scanning through Instagram or swiping through Instagram or whatever it happens Mm -hmm. to be. And that is completely possible. Mm -hmm. So one of the core principles is to define a very clear mission for your particular offer, whether it's a one-on-one, you know, coaching package, or it's a one to few group program, or even a whole online course, Mm -hmm. a very, very clear mission of what someone's going to achieve through your program. Mm -hmm. And I teach, um, what I call a mission possible statement, which is your mission, should you choose to accept it, is. And mm-hmm. when you use that particular template, it forces you to think about your offer and what you deliver from the point of view of someone saying yes. What is a mission that you're inviting them to join you on? Mm-hmm. So for my experience product masterclass, it's your mission, should you choose to accept it, it's to design, market, and make $2,000 or a whole lot more from an experience product mm-hmm. in 10 weeks or less. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people know exactly how long it's going to take. They're going to know what they're going to do and whether they've reached that goal or not. Mm -hmm. So once you define a product with a very clear mission, then there's all different ways that you can get people excited about getting from mission to mission accomplished. Mm. You know, how do you create the constant wins? How do you structure the program to build unstoppable momentum? How do you leverage community and peak emotional experiences? How do you normalize challenges for someone along the path from mission to mission accomplished? Mm. So it's really about understanding, you know, what it is that someone's trying to achieve or that you are working with them to achieve and then figuring out a pathway that's going to remove as much friction as possible while building as much momentum, self-belief and confidence as possible. That's and that's amazing. really what it's about. And like the results are 10 to 30 times mm-hmm. the level of traditional online education or engagements.
1: That's that's amazing, and I love how specific it is. Like it's the the mission statement that you said. uh, Like it's amazing that you can go. Hey, if we go granular here, if we really went. Okay, if if you're this is your mission. If you choose to. Sorry, I might be butchering the statement, but but something to the tune of is choose to. If you choose to accept, is you will make. $2,000 $2,000 over 10 weeks with the experience product. Yeah. It's very specific. It gives you so directive so It's beautiful. Um, and I want to acknowledge that also from our experience, uh, because that's one thing that I believe is definitely missing in online program world. Like everybody goes just for the great marketing that they must produce for yeah. their online programs. And they forget the point of creating it was to be able to actually deliver a result to your client. You want long-term sustained success for your clients. You don't want them to just buy a product and, have it sit on the shelf and never get the result. And you could do that. And yes, you'll make some money, but you will never be able to transcend uh, as, as yeah. an authority because you have not been able to produce the result that you promised, right? So yeah. where else in, in the scenario that you just mentioned, it absolutely, like you already said, 30 times more people consume that. Is that yeah. what you said?
0: Up, yeah, between yeah. 10 and 30 times. Yeah, 10 and yeah. 30
1: times people can do that. It's amazing because the average is like 10% or something like that. That yeah. puts it at, I think, 60% 70% is what you're talking about. Um so so what I want to acknowledge there is because we found a similar structure for our programs it's probably somehow entangled in what you do maybe it uses all of those or some of those concepts uh but at at Mindvalley and Evercoach we produced a format of creating programs that we called Quest uh which is basically where we identify that one agenda, one item, uh, not in those statements, but we have an agenda and an item and a very very meticulously designed weekly or daily actions, depending on the program, that one must take to get to the outcome. Uh, That is the promise of the program, right? Which is kind of what what you're saying. And I think it's tremendously powerful because we've seen, again, significantly more people actually recommending that program to their friends because they actually completed it. It's not bad education it's that that is the problem of not being able to sell the program or have people rate them really highly. It is often the inability of the client to actually consume that information to make sense of it and to be able to utilize in their life to be able to say, oh, I really learned from that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's one twist for people who are working with one-on-one coaching and consulting too. So the twist is to have a ballpark mission statement And then when you have an enrollment conversation with someone, you co-create a specific mission statement for them for the duration of your engagement with them. So -hmm. if you have, say, a 30-day coaching package or a 90-day or a six-month or a 12-month, you can create a custom mission with them. So say, um, I hear a lot of coaches say they help people remove their limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of just say, you know, I help you remove your limiting beliefs, you might say something along the lines of a ballpark statement is to say, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to identify over the next 30 days, the biggest limiting belief that's preventing you from earning more money in your business and to remove that belief. So you know, the very next month you see more income than you did this month, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be like a ballpark one. Mm -hmm. And then through the enrollment conversation, you discover what that belief is, Mm -hmm. right? And say you discover that belief is that, you know, if you're successful, financially successful, uh, you won't be able to have love because your parents had a relationship where your dad was a workaholic and then your parents got divorced because she never saw them. And even though he had lots of money, you know, you got Mm -hmm. this belief. So then when you're there with a client and you're figuring out in the enrollment conversation that that's the belief that they have, mm-hmm. then you might create that co- mission statement for them. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to overcome the limiting belief that you have of linking success, uh, saying that if you're successful, you won't be able to have love. And you won't be able to have a fulfilling family relationship. Mm-hmm. So you can make more money than you ever had before without feelings of you know um, of, you know without without feeling like you're going to compromise your happiness. That's right?
1: beautiful. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. It's amazing, and I love the idea of ballparking it because that also enables you to have a great enrollment conversation, yeah. like you like 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 you rightly mentioned. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what are these experiences that you put into an experienced product?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so there are 10 of them that I've defined, mm-hmm. and there are actually 10 opposite experiences that mm-hmm. create what I call the downward death spiral where people get stuck, frustrated, and walk away. Mm-hmm. So you want to avoid the 10 bad experiences, and you want to put into, even if it's a one-on-one engagement, a lot of my you know, my students are coaches and consultants, 10 specific experiences. Mm-hmm. So the first one is mission. So you know what you're doing together. There's a very clear before state and a very clear after state. It's not wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about having a mission, even if you're doing one-on-one work, is it's going to allow you to have a second mission and a third mission. But so often people just get into an entanglement with the, you know, a client and they're just working on everything mm-hmm. simultaneously. And the client can't see the progress that's being made. And then mm-hmm. you can't say, okay, we've completed this mission. Shall we start the next mission? Mm-hmm. And people need that closure to be able to feel like they're making real progress. Otherwise, their life could be changing and they're not attributing it to your work together. Mm-hmm. So having that very clear mission, having that future self-vision for both the work as a whole, but for every single piece of the work. Because what happens is if people don't know why they're doing something and how it's going to make their life better, they're not likely to continue to do it and they fall into what I call the how-hole, or mm-hmm. just getting so overwhelmed by the how because they don't have that vision of where they're going. And when you've got that vision that you can hold on to for the whole of the work together, but also for each individual piece, it helps you overcome the resistance to the how and the actions that you need to take. Mm -hmm. So the next one is what I call bird's eye view. And that's if you kind of look at something from above and you really help someone see the exact path from mission to mission accomplished, because the biggest reason people don't succeed and they don't buy is a lot of times a lack of belief they can do it. Mm -hmm. So when you're actually able to show someone the line from the mission to the mission accomplished, it allows Mm -hmm. them to relax into the process a lot more, Mm -hmm. right? So you want to be able to define the steps, the specific steps that are unique to you of how you get people to the result, Mm -hmm. right? Then we've got constant wins. How can you feel like every single time someone engages with you, they're winning, Mm -hmm. they're completing things. And it's really funny because I was working with a um, a shaman who Mm -hmm. was a coach shaman, right? And he had a something like a 15-year program. It took 15 years for someone Mm -hmm. to achieve the level of, you know, energy and spiritual mastery to become a shaman in this particular tradition. Mm -hmm. And coming to me, I'm like, you need to give someone a bone, you know, they're not going to keep going for 15 years, right? And so we started to kind of look at it. He's like, well, what can we promise for six weeks? Mm -hmm. And he was so allergic to making any claims because the depth Mm -hmm. of spiritual transformation that he helps people get 15 years later is just a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but can they taste it for a second? You know, Mm -hmm. his name was Helmut. Mm -hmm. Like, Helmut, do they achieve that feeling or that connection to the infinite for just a second? He's like, yeah, they'll taste it for a second. Mm -hmm. And then so we were able to create a marketing message Mm -hmm. of being able to just taste the infinite for a second. Uh Mm That once you taste it for a second, then, you know, of course, it takes the integration for that to become your everyday life. Mm -hmm. But we were able to have, like, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is over the next six weeks to you know, um, to to, pra- to develop a series of practice that put you in touch with the infinite for at least a second of your life. Mm-hmm. And once you've connected mm-hmm. for a second, all of a sudden you know what's possible for yourself. You've tasted mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? So we're able to, even for something like that, mm-hmm. kind of find a way where it's specific and grounded enough and then show the how of how they were going to get there. Mm-hmm. And then to set them up for that win, that moment when they taste it mm-hmm. for just a second right so those are four you know the next yeah there's more oh
1: (laughs) go for it go for it give it all away i'm I'm happy with that i mean obviously there's a lot
0: more depth for every single one but yeah i mean i'll just give you the first five the next one is what i call normalizing challenges so so often you know especially in marketing people feel the need to say things are easy to get people to say yes and to buy from you and it's a whole everything is awesome mentality which is the opposite principle and so what happens if people think it's all going to be easy, as soon as they hit a challenge or come up against a wall in the process, they're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And then they think something's wrong with them, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden it's like, this is hard. I didn't think it was going to be hard. I'm struggling. I'm not succeeding. I'm failing. So you actually have to like, be able to see all the places that people are going to get stuck because most likely something that you're doing with them, it's real life change. It's hard work. It's not easy. So you want to normalize challenges each step of the way in the process so people know what to expect. And what I found is that people start to feel like you're reading their minds. This is exactly the message that I needed to hear right now. And the easiest way to do that is to simply listen to what they're saying and then address it. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing when you start adding all 10 of these principles, like I said, you can get 10 to 30 times more people to the result and actually have them almost hooked on the process where they feel pulled forward and engaged and like they're having fun and they're excited to do the work versus like, this is a drag, this is hard, I'm not making any progress, I'm spinning my my wheels, I'm chasing my tail, or what most people feel like with these kinds of things.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing. And I think there's so much juice right here. Is there a way that the listeners to these this particular conversation could find the remaining five and a lot more about you. Is there a website or a link that you would like to suggest there?
0: For sure. So I created a cheat sheet with all 10 of the experiences that you want to include Mm -hmm. that create the experience escalation and all 10 of the principles that you want to avoid in your programs and in your products. And I put them up for your audience at Mm liveyourmessage.com forward slash evercoach. So if you go to liveyourmessage.com slash evercoach, you can find them, you can download them, and you can start to put them
1: into action. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you very much for sure. sharing that, that that information with everybody that's listening to this conversation. So go ahead and go to liveyourmessage.com slash evercoach. We'll put the link in the description so you can go li- click on that. Marissa, I'd love to end the conversation with this one question. And that question is, what is it that I should have asked you that I didn't ask?
0: Mm, that's a very good question. Maybe why I do this.
1: Yeah. Why do you do this
0: then? Yeah, because honestly, it's hard work. It's a lot easier to get a job than it is to become an independent coach or to build a business. And I'm a facilitator. I've got 5,000 students. and I do this work and it's hard work. I'm constantly stretched. and I'm constantly challenged. And well, there's three reasons why. And I call them the three big whys. Mm -hmm. I've got a selfish why. I've got an altruistic why. And I've got an intrinsic why. So my selfish why is what's in it for me. And so often... Coaches and healers, people with big work in the world, have that altruistic why and they forget to have their own personal payoff. Mm -hmm. So, my personal payoff is that I get to wake up when I want, do what I want, where I want, with whom I want, for however long I want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when my life and my business helps me create that level of freedom, then I am filled and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. But I also have an altruistic why, which is the bigger contribution that I'm here to make in the world. Mm -hmm. And that altruistic why is, that I am reinventing online education around the world so engagement and results become the norm and not the exception. So if I can get people as excited about their life goals as they are excited about Facebook and Instagram, that I can get them that excited that they wanna spend hours a day you know, achieving their biggest goals in life, then everything's gonna be worthwhile for me. Mm-hmm. And my intrinsic why is how I wanna feel every day in my work. You know, it's how I want to feel like my payoff for myself just in terms of it doesn't matter whether I accomplish any of my goals or not, but how I get to show up every single day for my work. And that's really getting to show up in the spirit of, of passion and excitement and creativity where every work I get to every day, I get to create something new. Mm. And if I do that, then it's worth it for me. And I recommend that you find your three big whys too. Mm.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. So go ahead and find your three big Ys. This is Marissa. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming all the way here, doing this podcast with us. I'm super excited to bring it out to our audience. And for everybody that wants to check out that link, go to the description below. You'll be able to find that thing. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you. I am your host, Ajit Navlakha, And every week on the Evercoach podcast, I will bring the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers, to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves.